To get rid of those pesky ads, request stories, listen to unlisted and bonus episodes, and to chat with the gang, support us by clicking the description link. Oh shit, we got a ton of people on, Jen. No pressure. So this Don't is- be mean to her. Oh, Are you posting to Patreon? Did you already do that? Yeah, I did that. So. Don't you worry about the live chat, Jen, because I don't want you to get too distracted while you're telling the I story. I won't. I just want to see who's I'll here. I'll man it. But there's a lot of birthday wishes. Nice. And also, guys, guess what? Jen is doing a story. First time ever. First time premiere. No pressure. Yeah, I I know this story. I'm so I really am really excited. And I know you guys have been waiting for this story for like at least six months to a year. <laughs> so, um, you know, I'm excited to, to go ahead and do it. I um. I should know this story like the back of my hand. It has literally haunted me since I was a child and we learned about like, it. Like you've literally had nightmares? Yes. Oh yeah. There were times when like we would drive through the city where it happened and I would be afraid. I would like close my eyes on the bridge and like be like, please Lizzie Borden, don't come like attack me as a ghost. Like I was like, really? I, yeah, yes. I was literally terrified of, of this story. And because I thought it happened so close to home that naturally, you know, she would leave her, you know, Ethram and come choose me as her next victim. So that <laughs> um, you think she's going to hear this story? Maybe I, I'll try to do her justice. Um, you know, we only know what we know. And it's a story that we really don't know because it's one of the oldest and most infamous, infamous cold cases in United States history. So it's it's pretty cool. So nice. I'm excited to be here today to do that. Yeah, we're all super excited. So, hey, Becky, first time that a lot of people are catching a live stream too. So that's nice. exciting. So, are you going to open us up with all the hey, welcome, yada yada yada? Um, I mean, I can. Yeah, if you sure. guys want, make sure you uh, shout out um, all the stuff that I usually shout out. Well, that's like, <laughs> how is she supposed to remember? You have that memorized. Um, okay. Well, what's up, guys? My name is Jen. I'm here with John and Nicole, and this is Talk Murder to Me podcast. We've got a lovely, lovely episode for you today. As John okay, was, that's that's going over the line there. Why don't that's you do, my thing. I know, you said you wanted <laughs> you want me to do your spiel. Go ahead, introduce it, John. Oh, you did a really good job. No, go you ahead. nailed it. All right, you nailed it. Yeah. Talk Murder podcast. Uh, we we're starting to do episodes every Monday, Wednesdays, and Fridays now. If I can get them all out in time so put your request in after this one after jen's amazing episode i mean i tried to go first because i, I don't think i can follow up on what jen's going to deliver but we do have a special another episode planned for our supporters if you want to stick around and continue the trivia which nicole's going to talk about in a second you can go to patreon.com slash talk murder that story is going to be freaking nuts i swear you haven't heard of this guy ever and he's a serial killer that went on killing for four years. And the people in the, the city that he was killing in actually wrote to the government and said, what are you going to do about all these bodies? Mm. So, but we're going to cover that story next. And if you don't support us, that's totally fine. We release episodes, like I said, Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. So you can catch it there. If you like this and check out our sister podcast, Among the Dirt and Trees, Brienne's doing a fantastic job. And I don't know, you might you might actually love that because I love that one. Check this here. out. I've got over 100 rare crime photos here. Now, these are mostly from newspapers. Some of them and, and they're 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 uh, pictures that newspapers wire to each other. Really, that's kind of a vintage hmm. little cop one right there. There's serial killers. There's uh, bombers. There's wanted by the FBI. And these are all. Uh, rare and they, they all like have 
So this one's from 1993. This is what was used in the investigation. This one right here. Like all of these are super rare. I got a big box of them and I don't really have time to show them all. Oh, there's a hundred of yeah, them. Yeah, there's a hundred so. of them. But everyone that joins a Taco Supremo starting now, if you join and you support us, we'll send you one of these random ones. And some of them are really, really cool. So, and if you have a birthday and you want me to try to find one that happened on your birthday... Just let me know. That might be hard. Yeah. But, uh, and if you're an existing Supremo and you would like one, please just reach out to me and let me know. I'm just trying to take a list uh, down and we'll I'll start sending them out um, as well. Also, other new stuff for trivia. I got a bunch of little uh, like book, like bloody bookmarks and all kinds of stuff. And this just Not came in. Not actual blood. Yeah. No. <laughs> <laughs> well, bloody bookmarks. But this just came in too. If anyone wants it, this is... Oh, the Green River Killer signed or by his wife, Penny Moorhead, or his ex-wife, oh. signed by her herself. And I got this in the other day. It is in very good shape. The spine has never been cracked. And this is really rare because you never see this specific book anywhere. So I definitely want to read this and give it away. But that's all I have. So we have a couple of new Patreon members that I want to welcome and shout out. Clarinet, Becky, and Carrie. Thank y'all for Thank you guys. joining us this week on the Patreon. Uh, I know Becky is on the live chat here right now. Sweet. So glad you're here. So we're carrying on our brunch drinks. We've got Bloody Marys. If you need it extra spicy, I've got more hot sauce. Hang on. Is this here. the homicide hot sauce? It No, this is the kakalaki sauce, but I'm almost out of it. I, I think you used the, the homicide one last time. I think I did, which is um, made in North Charleston, actually. Yeah, so you guys can go to talkmore.com slash trivia to see all the cool prizes we got. But Also, can you hand me one of those shot glasses? One of the three? Yes. Guys, check this. We came prepared today. She almost dropped it, yo. I did not almost drop it. No, I said I almost dropped it. What are we looking at here? That is from the Lizzie Borden house. You're going to bring actually something from the house and pretend like it's not going to be her presence isn't going to be here? You know what? No, I'm serious. It's from the gift shop. It's It's not a barn. It doesn't matter, it yo. It will be okay. Her presence may have gotten into this. She finally may have escaped. I mean, I don't know anything about the story, but... <laughs> they do want John to sing the song. <laughs> Who said that? They want John to sing the song? You play the bongos and I'll sing. Okay. All right. Where are you and me play the bongos too? I play the bongos. Play give the bongos. bongos. Yeah, give, give, give me the damn. You got to do the whole thing. John and I are role swapping today for this episode only. Yeah. I'm, I'm a little jealous though. No one else has ever sang the song before. Oh. Uh, like oh, on an episode. Oh, he just broke the desk. <laughs> It can't be that hard. All right. <clears throat> Fuck, how's it go? <laughs> See, not so easy. Surprise shots. Surprise shots. We mm. don't know what they mm. are because they're, they're a surprise. surprise. Mm. Good collab. Nice right. job, guys. <laughs> We're kind of already drunk, too. <laughs> Speak for yourself. I did take a couple of shots before this, though, so I would not be but as happy. When? Nervous. When you guys were at the liquor store. Oh, oh my God. Well, Jesus is the pink one mine? Yep. All right. Okay. Oh, I, I'm I'm glad. All right. Ready? Cheers, guys. Cheers. Cheers. Happy birthday, Jen. Oh, I got cucumber. You got CF? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, guys, you guys ready? We're getting it on. 
All right. Wait, should I just press play? How do I do this? Yep. Um, I'm starting to get a little bit of background about the area that we kind of live in. So we're, so Juliet and I are from South Coast, Massachusetts. And this crime kind of shook the area. Um, like I said, it's one of the most famous or infamous cold cases in the United States. It actually happened uh, 130 years ago last week. Oh, oh really? Yes. Last, oh, wow. So 130 years ago and two days ago, so on August 11th is when um, the main suspect was arrested. So is this, this, uh, this is where you guys grew up? No, this is Fall River. Um, so the crime happened in Fall River, Massachusetts, which is about 15 minutes from where I am from. Um, it's located in southeastern Massachusetts, or as commonly known as the South Coast, um, in Bristol County. Um, so Fall River was settled in 1670. <laughs> this is my favorite motto of a town ever. I don't know. If, I don't even know what Charleston's motto is or, you know, but the motto for Fall River is we'll try. <laughs> no way. I swear. <laughs> well, what, this, what? That is amazing. Is that, is that accurate? Yeah. Wait, we'll the we'll city try. motto is we'll try? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> what the fuck? I mean, oh my God, that's amazing. Why would they come up with that? I don't know. I, maybe it sounded better in 1620 when it was founded. I don't know. And I, so at first Jesus. I saw it like on we'll the quick facts. I saw it on the quick facts, you know, when I was Googling Fall River. Oh, and just to throw out, I'm using a variety of sources today. Um, so what's really cool is when I went to go visit the Lizzie Borden house when I was home a few months ago, I picked up this Lizzie Borden source book and it's really neat. It has a whole bunch of papers from the time. Like, so the Fall River Herald, that's the, that paper is still going today. It wasn't exclusive coverage though. This, this, this case, this case rocked the nation. It was covered by the Associated Press, New York Times, New York Journal, New Bedford Journal's in there. That's our hometown. So it is It is a whole lot of paper. So I used this book. I also did some, I watched a few videos and documentaries. So uh, some of the information I got, Todd Grandy, he does, uh, he does a, a podcast or a video series about true crime. He's a psychologist. So I used some of the information from him. And I also used, I forgot the name of the other guy. Can I say something right quick? That yeah. is a huge, huge book. How big is this case? Oh my God, this, this thing is huge. It, this is, uh, if you don't... Can I show it to you people? You can, yeah. Hold on one second. Uh, Chris Daly is the other, um, he's a historian who covered the case. I mean, all right, guys, not only is it a big book, but look how, look how large, like tall it is. <laughs> all right, where's a regular book? So that's... This is a regular book, and this is the Lizzie Borden book. It's like book. a textbook. Yeah, yeah, dude. I mean, check out. The, I know it's kind of hard to see on camera, but dude, that is a big difference. This book compared to this. Look at that. That's huge. Yeah. Oh, my um, God. So, yeah, I like I liked that book a lot. It was, it was really, really neat. To, and some of the pictures I have in here are from... I scanned in some of the images from here that include, you know, sketch actual sketches from like courtroom sketches and things of that nature. Um, some of the other sources that I used are LizzieBorden.com. I watched a documentary done by 48 Hours. I knew like it's weird. It's so weird like doing this story because I know this story. It's your your white whale. You it is, said it is my white whale. There you um, go. So, but I know this story, but I wanted to make sure that I had the details. So. I am nervous, but that's okay. Anyway, going back to Fall River, you can put back that picture. So Fall River, it was the center of the textile industry in the United States, especially back during this time. There's still te textile mills across Fall River, and they're used for a variety of things. I think last week or the week before, we were talking about Lasergate, mm -hmm. the laser yep. place, and like so they are, they're repurposing them, they're building them into a, they're making them into loft apartments. 
Um, but the textile industry was huge back then, especially in the area. There's also a large Portuguese population and influence on that area. Um, and if you guys have never tried Portuguese food, you're missing out. I really think that that's one of the things that this area is missing is a Portuguese restaurant. Yeah, I don't think there's anything, any Portuguese food around here. You um, also kill a bunch of innocent whales, too. Don't forget that. Well, right? new, well that's, that's mainly in <laughs> New Bedford was the whaling capital of the world and at one point the richest city in the world. So there's still textile industries? Or I mean, buildings? yeah, we wear clothes, but they're building. Yeah, are but still we there. wear clothes made in Vietnam and the China. You know, China. Yeah, the mills are still up. They're just being repurposed for oh, repurposed. Yeah, yeah. Hmm. like um, other warehouse type stuff. So Fall River is really pretty. From it's on the water. Also, there's a battleship there from World War II. Uh, it's like a little. Um, I don't remember the name of the boat, but like it's it, you can like go on the boat, kind of like the uh, Patriots Point over here. Next slide. Oh, okay. I love that you're saying next slide. <laughs> next slide. <laughs> so this is a picture of what Fall River would have looked like during that time. Um, as you can see, there's there you know it's kind of the turn of the century, around the turn of the century. Like I said, this crime happened in 1892. This is a picture of downtown Fall River during that time. You still have carriages, but you also have a trolley, and that trolley will come into play in the story as well. You know what does kind of make... I know, like, Charleston is an old city, but in Mass... This is one of the things that shocked me most when I moved down to South Carolina from Massachusetts, was the fact that every town in Massachusetts was founded in, like, the 1600s, pretty much. Mm-hmm. Um, and here, like, they established a new town last year. <laughs> like, they really? Literally. Yeah, Nexton. Oh, Nexton's a town now? Yeah. It's not just, like, a little area? Nexton's is at Cane Bay. Like, those are... Nexton is now a town. Yeah. Isn't that wild? I don't like that, but okay. Like, they're just... New things are popping up. Yeah. Like, North Mount Pleasant is now it's considered, like, its own little... Area? Like, it's still part of the town of Mount Pleasant, uh-huh. but I think eventually it will be its own town well north charleston was just had its 50 year anniversary this past year right 50 years yeah it's crazy Cray-cray. next slide please <laughs> nice slide i love it <laughs> John's your i assistant. don't know what to do with myself this is so you're supposed great. to talk and interact i'm i don't know how <laughs> <laughs> he doesn't know how to listen <laughs> I don't active know. listening skills you will learn during this episode <laughs> all right so this is a picture of the borden house back in 1892 it was uh the address was 92 Second Street, but it is now changed to 202, I believe, Second Street because of the growth of the town. It's located currently, it's still in the same spot as it was, but the uh, Bristol County uh, Bristol County District Court is literally right next to this house. Um, that's where the trials such as Aaron Hernandez and oh. um, what is her name that I'm thinking of? The, oh, the, the text message girl? Mm-hmm. Oh, yep. uh, Michelle Carter. So Michelle yeah. Carter. Yep, cases like that and more have, have gone through that court. Um, it's really big. It's in the center of town. Um, Where's he at right now, Aaron Court or Aaron Hernandez? He's dead. Yeah, he died by suicide. Oh, that's right. Yeah, but he was. Was he in prison at the time? I can't remember. I didn't do that story. Yep, he was. Yeah, I just saw another thing about the football players. I don't know if they're protesting or not, but the CTE. So if you guys don't know, football players and any, I guess boxers too. Anyone that takes hard impacts to the to the dome. I don't like that word. I love that word. In in regards to a head, you mean? But they get or in general or. like head or head yes yeah but they get these horrible side effects and they call it cte Mm -hmm. and it makes them literally concussion was a great movie yeah it it makes them homicidal like aaron hernandez or suicidal or suicidal yeah. yeah yeah so but yeah yeah he he died by suicide but yes this is what the house looked at like uh, the day that the murder happened 
Um, it's a nice house. It, it is, but it's not big. So it's no, no. It so looks it, big. It, well, it does look big, but it's not that big. It's it's relatively small for the size of you know. When That's you what think, she said. Um, when you think Victorian mansion, this is not it. This is just an average sized home. It was actually originally meant for two tenants. It was separated by floor, but oh. the Bordens converted it to a single family household. Where, where's the gift shop? See that barn? That's the gift shop. That is now the gift shop. Oh my god. Mm-hmm. Amazing. Oh, nice. Next slide. <laughs> this is the house Next. today. I took this picture. Ew, who would paint it green? It's like always that? been green. That's gross. It's always been green. It's a dark, That's, ominous. That looks color. like OD green, which is like a military Crabs, yeah. barracks. Um, so that is the house today. Still its original size. And if you go inside, it, it's actually a bed and breakfast now. So if, if you go inside, they've done a really great job of restoring it to actually look like it did on the day of the murders. Next slide. Wasn't there a, um, it, I don't think, it wasn't a Black Mirror episode. It was, what's the, what was that miniseries we were watching last October? And it was, uh, it, it was about like a, a Instagram star or whatever staying in a bed and breakfast that was a, from a murder house. You remember this? That, that was. Bl- it uh, was Bla- a Black Mirror. Are it you was sure? like It was like, what was it? The one that was like the cartoon. No, that's yes. creep show. Yes, no, but it that, was a creep show. No, creep show. They don't make creep shows anymore. No, they made they made like a new season last year, and we watched them all. Remember, because there was one with Justin Long, and he was playing VR forever. Oh yeah, I love Justin Long. Oh, that it, Walrus movie. He's got it. He's yeah, got a podcast. A- I don't. I mean, just go subscribe right now because Justin Long is fucking amazing. I love that dude. Really, I love him, man. Have you never seen um? Jeepers Creepers? No. no. Oh, dude. I'm assuming we're going to add that to the October document. No. You know, surprisingly, I'm actually getting okay with horror movies now. And I, I, you know when I realized it? The other day when I was uh, watching American Horror Stories, like I tell you guys every week that yeah. I watch that. But I was like, you know what? When I was younger, I wouldn't watch this. But now really? I'm like, this is okay. It's not that bad. I know it's fake. But I won't watch like satanic stuff. Like okay. I, if I know, like, or. That's literally the best stuff to watch. I don't though. like it. I just don't like that. Anyway. I don't like stuff that's like the. I wouldn't watch like the nun. I did watch no, the I wouldn't conjuring, watch the nun. but I won't uh, watch the conjuring. T- I won't uh, watch the conjuring done. because that happened local to us too. That happened in Rhode Island, and it's based on true story. Sam E also likes Justin Long. So, so. that that is the sign on the house. It's the Lizzie Borden bread and breakfast. You can actually stay in the room where um, Mrs. Borden was murdered. Is that where you stayed? Did you stay there? I, I, fuck no. I walked onto that property and I literally felt. Like I felt a, a, an uneasy presence. No, I'm not. I swear on my. I swear on my soul. They probably do stuff like no. Keep they don't. It cold How much there. would you I, pay John to stay in that bed and breakfast by himself for a night? Five hundred dollars. Are you serious? Yeah, I don't have that money to my name, Dude, so that's a lot for me. I I was thinking of a new podcast idea. I was going to pitch to you guys. Yeah. Yeah. So there's this book out there that has. And tell me if you guys on live chat like this because I want to do this. And if y'all want to do it, that'd be cool. But you know like all those little things like look in the mirror and and say this woman's name three times bloody mary yeah bloody mary and then yada 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 i want to i want us to do that so like all of those things no. like all those satanic no. things like chanting and ouija boards no nope. bullshit you have to i'm not Why? No, because she not. signed a contractual agreement for talk murder to me <laughs> not for not for not anything for summoning like that. the devil yeah, well, yeah. I, can, I know how to forge all you need is a pen 
Tara, Tara will sub in for Jen, she says. Okay. Oh, Tara, uh, Tara's Tara, coming over. Tara can do it. do it. Yeah. So I did not go into the house. Like, you could not pay me enough to go into that house. I almost did because my mom was with me. And she's like, let's go. And I'm like, no. What? And you didn't go into the no. house? I took a picture in front of the house what next to the did? sign so you guys knew. I would not. I, I'm not kidding. When I walked onto that property, I felt uneasy. It's not a haunted okay, house. Juliet, yes, it is. Question. <laughs> no, I'm serious. People have people have, have documented experiences there. Like the woman who the woman who did the uh, one of the documentaries, she was talking to someone who stayed there and who was in bed and no one else was in the house and the rocking chair was in a different place when she woke up. Also, there's documentaries of people doing paranormal investigations, which I know they're like, oh, that's fake, blah, blah, blah. But like they have instances there. People back me up. If you know this story. I, like I, this that house is haunted. I swear. I walked onto that property and I sensed it. It is I, not I can safe there. I can explain all of that. Shut up. No. In, in two words, three words. Good marketing team. Question, Juliet. <laughs> are you as um, uh, as paranoid of the spirit realm as Jen is what no, Lauren asked? Doesn't bother you? No. But do you but believe you're, in you're ghosts? You're not on the property, though. You are yes, on the I sidewalk. Was. No, it's not. It's city property. <laughs> Where's the sign? You go. When I was next to the house right. in that parking lot. I'm telling you. All right, Juliet. When you go home. Just because we're going to ask have... you to go in the Lizzie Borden house and tell us if you okay. feel a presence. Right. Will but you do, do you it? believe in ghosts yes. otherwise? Like, uh, what's your what's your thought on the ghost situation? Yeah, I, I, used to, I was always mm. afraid to do that. I remember at Rachel's house, yeah. they were they were literally playing with the Ouija board that day, and I was like, "No, I'm not." When you saw the the image, the, no. the boy, no, that was at a, one of my friends' house. Oh, okay, but I have paranormal experiences, and she doesn't, so that's not fair. <clears throat> Did you ever have like a near death experience, Jen? I don't know. Actually, so, well, yes, I have. <laughs> you don't know? <laughs> no, I no. I, so that, that is a legit question. If you ever had a near death, like experience. where I knew that I was dead, not the where you knew that you were dead, but like maybe you almost died. Oh yeah, I almost died a few times. When? Well, um, most recently when I was driving up to to Massachusetts in the um on the on ninety five when we were leaving a toll booth. And a big ass truck like cut over and literally missed us by like this much. But that's not. But I didn't like were you disassociate. Ever, were you ever in the hospital or something? Oh, no, where no. you almost died. So I I asked that because my was either my not, not to my knowledge anyway. Unless it happened when I was like like when you were baby or something. Maybe. Yeah. My I think I can't remember if it was my grandmother or my aunt who had. I think it must have been my grandmother. It was my grandmother. She had a near death experience giving birth and she almost died. And when my cousin, her grandchild, her our, her oldest grandchild passed away, she started to see him like mm. she could see him. And then she was able to see her deceased husband Whoa. as well. So they so you're your wait, who was my aunt has they've gone to mediums many yeah. times. Yeah. So Matt is your brother in law, brother in law. No, Matt's no, my cousin. Your cousin. So his his older brother is the one who passed away when your, I was in high school. Your cousin was telling me all about his medium experiences mm -hmm. and he was saying that this this medium who is across the nation was telling him stuff that about his own brother his deceased brother mm -hmm. that only he would know and i i mean i be, i believe him i don't know how this medium does it but i don't think i don't he know would, he would yeah. make this up i don't know how like I, you know i am a skeptic. general skeptic in terms of those things but i i have i actually have been to this was like ve not not very long after my cousin passed away. It was like all my family would do because it was not it wasn't an accident. It was mm -hmm. unexpected. 
And that was like all that they were kind of doing was like trying to get in touch with mediums and, you know, get solace in some way, shape or form. Well, one of my good friends that I worked with before I moved down here, she is gifted. I did a reading with her. She's she's like an athlete, a gifted athlete. No, she is like spiritually inclined (laughs) and she's actually helped to solve murder cases like missing people and murder cases before. Wow. And she she says she knows where the weapon is for this case. I will tell you that. Oh, let me tell you something about these mediums, man. Every case we do, there's a medium involved, and 99% of the time, they don't they don't do anything but mess up the investigators' heads. I don't talk about them because they're always wrong. They're notoriously wrong. Yeah, I understand the skepticism, and especially as a Catholic, you're not supposed to believe in a cult and things like that. But my friend is actually like super Catholic, and she. Um, gives all of her like praises to God for her gifts and, and angel and things like that. So it's kind of cool, but it's 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 cool when you have someone that you know someone who who can do that stuff personally and not mm-hmm. just like oh like because I would always like she would I wouldn't say anything and she would already know it was it was it was it's cool. I miss her. I hope you're doing okay, Nancy. If you hear this, I miss you. Anyway, there's someone on here that's a, that's mom that says hey. Is that that's your mom? That's my mom. Hey mom. Hey mom. Your mom's on here. Yeah. Hey, mom! (laughs) (laughs) You know, your mom was in the studio like uh, a couple weeks ago. Yeah, she wouldn't get on camera. No, so I understand where it comes from. Maybe. Um, Anyway, and she, we were talking about you earlier. I was, I was telling them at at brunch how much we enjoy your company and and how much we want you to and how much we want you to move down here to Charleston. Yeah, your mom is literally the one of the most coolest thank you moms I've ever met. It's true. He said that not on camera. He did say that. So and you got to say something nice about my mom because she comes into town. Yeah, Renee. (laughs) (laughs) Is Renee listening? We should see if if she's gonna she gonna record with us next week. Is she gonna be here? No, she she. She's leaving Wednesday. We're going to try to get her on the live stream tomorrow when we uh, do some reselling oh, stuff. Oh, nice. Okay. Cool, cool, cool. Take it away, Jen. All right. Next slide. Oh, <laughs> Hold on. <laughs> all right. So, yeah, that's a picture of the sign. Next. All right. That's another picture of the sign. Oh, go go back. So you see oh. where it says Andrew J. Borden House. Um, it was built in 1845. You can see people in the parking lot. Wait. So Th- who owns this house now? Uh, I don't know the name of the person, but they run the bed and breakfast. But they're not related to no. the Bordens? Mm-mm. Because she pretty much destroyed that whole family line, didn't she? I don't know. <laughs> um, no, I mean, the Bordens, and I'm going to go into it in a little bit, but they were actually a very, very prominent family in Fall River. Um, they're one, considered to be one of the founding families of the town. Mm-hmm. Oh, sweet. Mm-hmm. The, so, the town where they'll try. We'll, we'll try. We'll try. We'll try. <laughs> That's my personal motto now. We'll try. We'll try. <laughs> Especially during scheduling season at school. <laughs> we'll try. We'll try. Just, just don't, you know, don't expect too much. <laughs> that, I literally have a welcome mat that says welcome. Just don't expect much. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so this is the side of the house. This is the entrance that to the barn, the side of the house. Actually, if you I cut, I can't, you can't see it in this angle of the picture, but on the upstairs, the bedroom is kind of upstairs on this side of the house where Mrs. Borden was murdered, and that back there is the current gift shop in the uh, former barn. But it still looks like like this is it. Like I said, it looks just like it did back when this crime happened. <laughs> John's like, what do I do with myself? This is uh, <laughs> this is the floor plan of the. room 
of the house. So if you're looking at the screen at the bottom, this is the uh, the top the pot the top picture at the bottom of the picture is Second Street. So this is the house facing forward. Okay. Um. So the front entrance where we saw the sign where it says Andrew Borden House. That's the that's that room. The parlor is next to it. You go in in the sitting room where uh, one of the murders happened, then the bedroom, the kitchen, and then that le- top left-hand corner is the side door. That's that side view that I just saw, that you just saw. That was the side okay. back entrance. So they, she didn't murder everybody in the same room? No. The bottom of the house is the upstairs floor. You can see that the bedrooms are ma- mainly up there. There's actually a third floor as well, but that doesn't come into play in the murder. The front, like I said, see the front, the bottom of the screen, that's the front upstairs bedroom. That's where the crime took place. All right. So some key players. This is Andrew Borden. He was the patriarch of this specific branch of the Borden family. Down with the patriarchy. Yeah. Um, so he like, looks all right to me. Yeah. We'd probably <laughs> have a cigar and, and watch the women <laughs> and <some> clean. brandy. <laughs> watch the women clean and, and frolic. <laughs> I don't think that's exactly how it goes, but... You're... And we'll talk about our investments. Well, he actually was. That's a, how he made a lot of his money. So ah. he, so the Borden family, like I said, they were kind of the found, one of the founding families of Fall River. Andrew Borden, he even though the Bordens were like really, you know, well known and wealthy, his father actually wasn't like he didn't go into that. He was a fishmonger. He sold fish. Ah, so Andrew so was he whaling? No. Okay. So Andrew actually played it like Drake and started from the bottom. Now we're here, <laughs> and yeah. so. Um, he worked his way up. He was a carpenter. He was a casket maker. Then he started to get into real estate investing. And he actually became the vice president of a couple of banks. Uh, the Union Bank was one of those banks. And he made himself, he was self-made. His net worth when he died was somewhere around fi- uh, $500,000, which in today's terms is like over $10 million. So he was a wealthy man. Can I say something about him? Yeah. I feel like he is purposely frowning in this photo yeah you don't they, they don't smile yeah, but usually, yes smiling's well, like this isn't this the type he's of like camera this. though that need they like need to pose for a long time before the camera oh yeah so he's like fuck <laughs> well i feel like <laughs> i've been sitting here for a half an hour <laughs> you know yeah they, they do have to sit there for a while right yeah yeah, yeah that's and probably like, why <laughs> But you know what's interesting though? Um, on my on TikTok lately, I've started following an account that restores old film, like from the early 1900s, late 1800s, and they colorize it and they restore it. And so, so the so one of the films they were like, oh, people actually had fun back then. They weren't so serious as they look in their pictures. But back then, they didn't. You don't really like smile for a post picture, even if you think about presidential portraits. It's not like George Washington is sitting there showing his wooden teeth. <laughs> You know, no, he's keeping that smile on the DL. <laughs> so um, one thing about Andrew Borden, even though he was self-made and was extremely wealthy, he was very, very frugal. So the house that they that uh, the Borden house that he had restored, like I said, he could have afforded anything. He could have afforded a huge Victorian mansion, but he lived in a single family home. Hmm. He um, had it restored, but he did not include indoor plumbing or electricity, even though it was available then. It was available then. And he definitely could have afforded it. And he just was like, no, I don't need to spend my money on that so he (laughs) he (laughs) that was available back then and my grandpa just got it like (laughs) in the 50s what do you say he was like i remember when they had the current no i remember when they hooked up the current i was like what what current (laughs) the current current? (laughs) and this guy could have it at 130 years ago holy shit my family (laughs) (laughs) way out in the fucking farm yo (laughs) 
<laughs> Every time we're out there, though, John's like, oh, wouldn't it be great to be out here to like live here? And I'm like, yeah, yeah the smell of cow shit is the, the, the best thing. I did say DoorDash don't deliver here. Sorry. <laughs> they, need, they need to make a coffee that, that smells tastes, like cow shit. Yeah, that smells like cow. No, food. I'm going to keep on drinking the coffee that D had got us. I keep oh, the buy, pinyon I, coffee? I, I buy that in bulk now online. <laughs> Um, so, like I said, he was very frugal. He was married to a woman named Sarah Morse. They were married for a well, you know a long time. He had two. Uh, well, he had actually more than two. I think there were three or four children. However, the other children uh, passed away when they were very young. So his surviving children were Emma and Lizzie. So Emma is um, ten years older than Lizzie. Lizzie was the youngest daughter. If you go to the next picture slide, that's Abby Abby Durfee Borden. She oh, re- she's hot. She married Andrew in 1864, a couple of years after the death of his first wife. So Sarah Morris died when Lizzie was two years old, and um, Andrew married Abby when she was about four. And so Abby was there for the majority of Lizzie's life. Did she not know that the camera was in front of her? I mean, she's like looking away from the camera. Mm-hmm. I feel like that's weird. It's like, can, uh, Miss, can you can you like look at this? Yeah, I guess that was kind of more the style back then okay if you go next we can see a picture of emma this is emma oh my gosh she's doing the same thing yeah this is emma borden like i said she was 10 years older than lizzie she did a lot of the mothering for lizzie because they're because sarah passed away when they were um which emma was 14 and emma uh, lizzie um was was two so maybe she was 12 years older the time frame, she was about a decade older than lizzie was so she kind of played mother to lizzie and they ha- they were very very close this is our girl this is lizzie borden not what you expected <laughs> she's got great eyes i wonder what she, color they were they're blue red <laughs> and, and when i was seven i thought so like for sure um so, i feel like she's actually looking at you jen her eyes follow you they're very no very, i feel like her eyes follow you probably so <laughs> because she's not looking at me she ain't looking at nicole she's looking at you yeah <laughs> Uh, she knows what's going on. She does. Man. I'm trying. I don't to do want her. her here in the studio. I'm telling right. you. Right. Um, so, like I said, she was the youngest daughter of Andrew and Sarah. Uh, as a child, we don't know a whole lot about her. I, I did read in one of the articles in the source book that she wasn't, she didn't have a lot of friends. But growing up, as she got older, she was very involved in her church. She was a Sunday school teacher. She was very philanthropic. So all good things, right? She did not get along with Abby, the the her stepmother. Oh, okay. the stepmother. She did not like Abby. If I could add some conjecture to it, it probably was because she felt as though Abby was trying to replace her mother. Uh. That's the only thing I could think of. She did. She did not like her. She didn't even really um, refer to her as mother. Uh, even though Lizzie was very philanthropic, she did love a good five finger discount. She would off. She was known for shoplifting. And Andrew actually had a deal with a lot of the storekeepers in the time to say, hey, like, I'm going to, you know, if Lizzie ever takes anything, like, just let me know and I'll pay you for it because she is a little bit of a kleptomaniac. So that's some of the characteristics about her. We all go through that phase, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Like last year, it was freaking bad, man. I was. What were you stealing? So that's the Borden family. That was the nuclear family. Um, It involved the, the four people. There were a couple other people that were key in this case. 
Um, one of the people that lived with the Borden family, her name was Bridget Sullivan. She was the housekeeper. She was uh, with them for a couple of years at the time of the murder. Her name was Bridget, but um, Emma and Lizzie actually always referred to her as Maggie because that was the name of the previous housekeeper. Uh, Bridget was from Ireland and she was living in, living with the Bordens at the time she was a live-in housekeeper. Okay. Um, another key player is John Morse. He was the brother of Lizzie's mother, so so Lizzie and Emma's uncle. Okay. He visited the Bordens the night before the murder, and he was because he was living out in Iowa actually, and he came back to to visit um, and move back east. Um, and so he visits the Bordens the night before the murder. So he's kind of a key player in this story as well. So we're going to August fourth of eighteen ninety four, and this is the day that the crimes happen. It was a no- started off um, as a normal day. This guy has an umbrella hat. Well, I, don't go to that slide yet. Oh shit! I thought. Oh, I thought you were telling me to go to the slide. No. Okay. Uh, <laughs> active listening, John. <laughs> <laughs> so it started off like any other day back then for the Borden family. Bridget got up early to prepare breakfast for everyone. Um, but because Andrew was so frugal, they had been eating the same mutton and broth for the past like five days. And because there was no electricity, they didn't have refrigeration. So this was like old mutton. Ew. Yeah. Um, but that's what he wanted for breakfast. He said, just, you know, just what she asked him, what do you want for breakfast? He said, just, you know, just use the mutton and broth that we have. That's what we're going to eat. The family had been sick in the past couple of days and it probably was because there wasn't any refrigeration and they were eating like mutton which i think is lamb isn't it can someone confirm that um yes like it's like like sheep yeah yeah no it it is sheep lamb yeah like parts yeah it's like haggis you know what haggis is it's like goat that is boiled inside of its own stomach it's like the irish the irish eat that scottish no thanks it's scottish yeah it's scottish it's not whatever the the drunkards eat it thank you i'm gonna say (laughs) that's better thanks but no thanks (laughs) so flesh of lamb tara says flesh of lamb thank you tara like I said, so they had been like getting sick. And actually the night before Lizzie was with a friend. So she actually never saw John Morris when he came to visit. She was out that night. She went to go see her friend, Alice Russell, and she was confiding in her. She's like, you know what? Sometimes I get really concerned. Like my father has so many enemies and I'm just afraid that something bad is going to happen to him. And they had been feeling really sick. And she's like, I think someone poisoned us. So they, a few of them were experiencing some food poisoning. At this time, Emma... Well, it could have been from the fact that they're eating five-day-old mutton and broth. No, no. That's normal. No, you can definitely get food poisoning from that. I know. Oh, shit. There's a dog under me. When did she get here? She's, She's been, been there. there the whole time. She's listening. Jesus Christ. Sneaking up at me with that one eye. You look creepy as hell. <laughs> Leave shit. her alone. <laughs> God, no. Poor Luna. Jesus, Lord. She's just chilling. <laughs> So, um, so Lizzie was with her friend Alice Russell the night before. She talked about how you know people were in the house were, were sick with food poisoning. Yet Andrew still wanted to eat that mutton and broth the next morning, even though people were getting sick. Uh, Emma actually was out of town. She was visiting some friends in Fairhaven, Massachusetts. Actually, Juliet, you know the Huddleston house. She was visiting the Huddlestons um, in Fairhaven at the time. She had been out of town for a little bit. She was out of town for about two weeks. So in the morning, Andrew, John Morris, and Abby came down came down for, for breakfast. But Lizzie was already out. So she was already out and about for the day. She wasn't around when they were eating breakfast. And then she, she came back and went straight upstairs. So like, we don't know what her deal was, why, you know, maybe she was smarter than everyone else. I was like, I'm not eating that five-day-old button. But who knows? Uh, but I wouldn't either. No, I wouldn't want to eat it either. Me either. But they ate their breakfast. John Morris decided he was going to go into New Bedford to visit some other relatives. 
Um, so he went to the post office and he left. And then, you know, after he left, Abby went upstairs. She said she was going to fix up the guest room, um, you know, to, to make the bed and everything. Even though Bridget lived there, she had other duties that she was going to be doing that day. She was going to be washing the windows and um, tidying up. So, yeah. So Abby went upstairs. John Morris left for the post office. Andrew was ready to go to work. And before he was able to leave for work that day, one of his employees, a Portuguese man, he, you know, the story is that a Portuguese man came up and was like, hey, where's my money that I'm due? And mm-hmm. Andrew didn't, like, didn't, didn't have, have the it. money. He didn't have the money for him. Um, so there's a story about maybe a disgruntled employee being there around, you know, but the, 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 the Portuguese man, no one, no one saw him. Yeah. But that's one of the, one of the theories out there is that he's, you know, he came in and was like, yeah, where's my money? And he was like, sorry, dude, I don't have it. Uh, exact words. Yeah. Or exact words. Yo, dude. Quoted it. It's actually in my source book right here <laughs> on page 37. So Andrew, you know, he, it's about 930. He goes for his morning shave and then he's going to go to Union Bank and go about his business for the day. But then he starts to not feel good. And he decides that he is going to go home um, and, and not not feel he's not feeling good he's he's gonna go home and have lunch but he's gonna take a nap first uh while this is you know while he's going out to work before he came home lizzie was uh preparing for a fishing trip she was going to be taken with some friends so she was packing everything up and she's like you know what i need to go get some um sinkers for my fishing line so she said that she was out in the barn uh, looking for some lead to create yep. sinkers with. Uh, like I said, Bridget was taking care of her normal duties, washing windows, cleaning up after breakfast while everyone left. So no one knew that Andrew was going to be home early for work. He came home at about 1045. But the weird thing was, I mean, they were, you know, even though they had people inside the house, everything was locked up. They were very secure back then. The front door had like three locks. The back door had a lock. Mm-hmm. Side door had a lock on it. So Andrew came home. He couldn't get into the house. And Bridget went to go let him, but she couldn't get the door open. So Lizzie is standing on the staircase and she is like laughing. She thinks it's so funny. But some people think like, is she laughing at like that? Or is she laughing at something else? Some people say maybe she was laughing at the fact that her um, her her stepmother was already upstairs on the floor. Oh. But anyway, so she lets, so Bridget lets Andrew in from the house and he goes to the couch. He's like frustrated that he couldn't get in. Um, he he goes to, you know, takes off his coat, hangs up his coat, sits on the couch. You know, he decides that he is going to take a nap. So he lays down. And then after he lays down, that's that's it for him. He's His last thoughts are, I'm going to take a nap. She kills him while he's asleep. Someone kills him while he's asleep. Someone. What do someone, you mean? I thought it was Lizzie Borden killed everybody. This is the Lizzie Borden case, but someone kills him. This is a cold case, remember. What do you mean cold case? This case has never been solved. Look at these these creepy eyes. You're telling me this is a cold case. Look at this. You think that's cold? She did it. She's cold. But, I mean, officially this crime has never been solved. Huh. I wonder how long it takes for her to do her hair. I feel like you girls Long nowadays, time. y'all don't even care about it anymore. True. Look, look how good that hair looks. It's all parted. It looks the, the the way it should be. It's the, almost the similar way... to the hairdo that I'm wearing today. Juliet did my hair and makeup today. Actually, I, I did my makeup today. She did my makeup yesterday. I feel like she could get a man. Actually, Lizzie was 32 and unmarried. She was 32? She was 32 at the time of the crime, and she did not have any suitors. Neither did her sister. Her sister was also unmarried, and she was in her 40s. Back well, then. Then there's something home. wrong with that. They were both living at home. That's not the Christian way right there. Well, you know, whatever. Okay. So Lizzie, living in sin is more like it. So Lizzie comes comes in from the barn and she's like, "Oh my God, Father's been stabbed." She comes in and Andrew's like dead on the couch, 
And for everyone that is on the on the broadcast, if you go to the next slide, John, I have two sets of photos. I have the the sketches from the papers and I have the actual photos. So the first thing you'll see is a sketch from the paper. This guy is wearing an umbrella hat. I don't care what you say. He's out there because <laughs> somebody's out there selling them. He's like, or, or the own. person behind him is has an umbrella. <laughs> so this is actually this photo is a little bit out of order. This is the crowd that ga- the crowd gathered as soon as like people figured out what was going on. Like people were like. Stocking stocked outside. They were they wanted to know what the hell was going on. Like what is going on at the uh-huh. house? Um, but if you go to the next slide, oh, this is the position. Whoa. This is the position that Andrew was found in. Actual crime scene photo. This is not the actual crime scene <laughs> photo. This is the sketch. Uh, for those of you who are not fan of hearts, hit next and you see the actual photo. Oh. Look at that shit. That is Damn. Andrew J. Borden, oh, Andrew Jackson Borden, and that is how he was found. I don't want to make it bigger. He won't let me make it bigger. Lauren, father has been stabbed. <laughs> Did I tell you guys about the the TikTok that I saw? That Wait. was a "That's what she said" joke, and then yeah. my new way is that is tis what she proclaimed. That's my new I way do of saying love that. She she stabbed him in the face with an axe. So the supposed murder wa- weapon was either an axe or a hatchet. Yep. Or it could have been a suicide. So I don't know if you guys know the childhood rhyme. Lizzie Borden took an axe, gave her mother 40 wax. When she saw what she had done, she gave her father 41. So that's a childhood cry- uh, childhood uh, chant that they would chant on the playgrounds. And it's actually... <laughs> in, only where Jen grew up, apparently. Well, well, no. I, no, it's I like, think people have heard of yes, that. But it's popular. I, I chose to recite it because if you, li- if you Google Lizzie Borden rhyme, it's going to play you like one with like creepy kids singing and creepy music i'll bet you wait is that couch still there not that actual couch but inside there is a replica i would freaking sleep on that couch you can't sleep the on same the couch. position nope. as him. Off. nope you can't sleep on the couch but you can stay in the murder rooms mom says happy birthday jen love you all oh thanks mom what about me she said well, she, she loves you, love you all. It's also my birthday. I'm no, not it is it. not. No, nope. So yeah, so Aunt Lizzie came inside, saw her father that w- was slaughtered on the couch, and she immediately calls for Bridget. She's like, Bridget, Bridget. Now remember, Bridget was upstairs taking a nap on the third floor in her bedroom. So she said that she didn't hear anything. Uh, it, it, so, so, so Lizzie's saying she found him like this. Correct. Okay. Lizzie came in from the barn. She was like, I remember she was looking for lead for sinkers for her fishing trip. She said, uh, she came in, she was like, holy, holy fuck. Like what, what is going on? Father's been stabbed. So she's like, help, help. You know, she called for, for Bridget to go get the, one of the doctors. Now, a few of the doctors actually lived on the same street as Lizzie and the Borden family. So she calls, go get Dr. Bowen. He was actually on a house call. So they had to wait for the doctor to come in, called for Alice Russell, who was the friend that she was with the night before to try to just try to figure out what's going on. Mrs. Churchill was also a neighbor. She kind of saw what was going on and she came over to the Borden house and saw Andrew on the couch and was like, what is going on? And she's like, well, where's Mrs. Borden? Where's Abby? Lizzie said, well, she actually got a note from a friend uh, who was sick that the, a note to go visit the friend. And so she's not here. She went out. So they're in the they're in the room. They're waiting for the doctor to get here. And they hear door. And Lizzie said, oh, my gosh, that must be Mrs. Borden. That must be Abby. And they went and she wasn't there. So they w- so Bridget and Mrs. Churchill went upstairs to go find Abby, who had just come in, apparently. But no, she was actually already dead on the floor in the bedroom. If you go to the next slide, John, you'll see a picture, a uh, sketch of the... Ah! <laughs> I'm going to frame that. That's cool. It's a cool picture. So this is a sketch of how they found Mrs. Borden. Okay. Now, again, faint of heart. We're going to the actual photo. Ooh. I'm glad that there are actual crime scene photos for these, this. I did not think there was. These are actually some of the first 
crime scene photos that were used in a case. Wow. So, you know, when you think about, you know, true crime and crime scene photos, like this is kind of the where it's it stemmed from because they, you know, photography was somewhat new, especially you wouldn't expect to use it for a, for a crime scene, but right. these are some of the first ones. Oh shit, you can see the camera used. Yeah, in the mirror. Wow. That's a bad cameraman. He should have like if I would have saw I that, I don't think he's concerned with that. I know, though. but if you see like the camera in a movie or something, you're like, "What the hell, man?" Well, yeah, but you know, that's not There's... the priority. It's to get the crime scene photo. So the original thought was that Mr. Borden was killed first, and that Mrs. Borden was killed second. But when you when when they came back and police finally got there, because it's funny, the police department actually wasn't around. They were at a staffelty picnic. Um, so no one was around to come <laughs> no to the crime. No crimes can happen. No crime. We're on a, we're on a uh, staff picnic day. Um, so they were waiting for the cops to get there. Uh, an investigation didn't officially start until 32 hours after the crime had happened. Wow. And when you think about the 1800s, the crime scenes weren't sec- as secure as it is today. Like no. repor- reporters were coming in and out. People that were, you know, family members, they were kind of in and out of the building. Yeah. The doctors and, you know, it was kind of haywire. So even though DNA, DNA definitely wasn't as as readily available or even I don't think I, yeah, found I don't it think, yet. I don't, yeah. Um, so if you took that what was going on there today, you would have a messed up crime scene. You wouldn't be able to. But if you if this happened today, you wouldn't be able to have what is going on. Right. Um, so everything, everyone is, has been found as far as like the bodies, they're both been found. John Morris, he returns at 1145 and all these people are crowding around the street. You guys saw the sketch and he's just kind of like, whatever. He walks right past the crowd. He goes to the, to the pear tree in the backyard. He goes back into the side entrance and just doesn't even think anything of it. So that's kind of weird, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but he actually does have a strong alibi. He, Like I said, he was out of town. He went to New Bedford, um, to another part of town. I think he, it was New Bedford, um, to go visit some relatives. And he actually went so far as to memorize the name of the priest that he met on the trolley when he was leaving hmm. the post office. Because remember, he went to the post office in the morning. Yeah. So, like, he already has all this memorized, which is like, wow, that's really cool. But, like, you go ask the priest. That's fine. Like, this is who I met. But at the same time, it's like, why would you think to remember that? Yeah. You know what I mean? It's, yeah. uh, it's kind of weird. Odd. So he's, detail. he's a suspect. Lizzie is not a suspect yet. They're thinking about the Portuguese man who who was supposedly gone to the gone to mm-hmm. the house in the morning um to get his money so so do you, i mean it could be this guy this portuguese guy it could be except all the doors are locked and it's not a big house so like if if no it, windows open no windows were open and no one you know no one saw this portuguese man inside the house when it had happened he had, he had left for the day well everyone and it, it seems like they're quite the nosy neighbors are like oh what's going on right you know so some of the theories ab- about this case like i said like i said the thought the thought was that andrew was killed first that it was a random act of violence someone targeted him you know a, a random person targeted him because of his money he was well known he then they chopped his face in and then they went upstairs to go kill abby but when you think about it like i said the the, co- the coagulation of the blood uh, mrs borden she was cold to the touch and all of her blood was like coagulated when they found her okay mr borden his his wounds were fresh they were still oozing blood and he was still warm when okay. Lizzie found him so, so abby that, was killed first abby was killed first the neighbors uh, you know during 
during the the court case, neighbors did say that they saw people around at night. They heard some banging on a fence. They saw like a drunkard walking around the street. So there were some other people in play, but it's kind of like that. It doesn't really make sense because it is not like I said, it's not a large house. And you, right. I mean, when you look at the types of wounds. Tis but a flesh wound, Stram says. Tis a flesh wound. Was there any money taken? No theft. Well, they had like stocks and stuff, right? Right, but there was no- You for- could still have like a pa- papers of things that someone could have taken. Yeah, no forced entry, no theft. So it had to have been someone that- they would have readily let into the into the home and someone who didn't have any need to steal anything from them. These crimes, you saw the, the pictures, these were brutal. And the bodies, they were actually autopsied on the dining room table in the house. Whoa. So if you go to Sign of the Times right there. Yeah, go to the next slide, John. Oh, is so these like this is from the Fall River Herald. This is a damn. This is a shocking crime. You know, these are some of the headlines. I a just venerable citizen and his aged wife hacked to pieces huh. at their home. Mm-hmm. Mr. and wife. Mrs. Andrew Borden lose their lives at the hands of a drunken fake farmhand. farmhand. Oh, so she wasn't blamed. At first. Next slide. Thank you. Next. That is the skull of Ooh, Andrew Borden. Damn. Yikes. That is that is his that is his actual skull. That's those are the wounds to the face. Next slide. This is the autopsy photo. You can see at the top of the you can see his face where it's kind of like all bashed in. What am in. I looking at? That's a body. That's Andrew Borden. That is some shit right there. So it's like a bunch of lasagna. <laughs> I don't like. Go to what? the next slide. It makes me want lasagna. <laughs> that's, oh, this is Abby Borden. This makes me want lasagna. That's the back <laughs> of her head. <laughs> <laughs> next next slide those are both of their uh those are their skulls or a replica of those skulls so the one on the right of the picture that's abby and the one on the left is andrew now andrew they still had their skulls in the house no they have replicas um so the the rhyme is lizzie borden you know blah, blah gave her mother 40 wax and then blah 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 father 41 but that's actually fact that's factually inaccurate Andrew received 11 blows to the head and li- and Abby received 19. Oh. But when you think about the brutality of a crime, look at, like you have to with you, an axe no less or a hatchet. Um that's a very personal crime. Like it's overkill oh, almost and oh, if there's no forced entry. You you can't get into the house. The doors are locked. Andrew can't even get into the house at lunchtime, right? Obviously there there, there were also no defensive wounds on either of them. So with Abby, she was attacked from behind. She didn't have a chance. Andrew was surprised. Andrew was asleep, but even if, you know, after the first whatever uh, whack, like there's no defensive wounds. So they it's not like they put up a fight, you know, so those those are some of the theories. Another theory that's interesting is that there wasn't a whole lot of blood at the crime scene. So one of the theories that I came across were that she drank it. Andrew and Abby were actually dead when they were bludgeoned to death. Oh, um, and I mean there was a lot of there was a lot of blood pool at the you know at Abby and Andrew's face was bastion, but you don't see a whole lot of blood on the walls. Another thing, why is would that be? Because they were already dead. Oh, well, also there's not a lot of we we had talked about this before. There's there's not a lot of blood splatter off hitting someone in the skull because there's not a lot of blood that that goes up there. Mm. Wouldn't it's you not see like brain hit- matter though? No, no. Look, like, look at this. Wouldn't dude. there be no stuff? because the skull isn't the skull isn't completely cracked open. I, I mean, yeah, it is right over there by the eye. That is an entire missing piece of skull. Is that hollow on the inside, or is that just? I can't tell what that is. Yeah, that's I hollow. Don't know. We we talked about this one time. If you hit someone in the head with something, there's not a lot of blood because there's no 
It's the, it's not like cutting someone in the neck where there's a yeah veins there's like a spur like stuff. there's I mean there's a lot of there's blood that travels through the skull obviously but mm-hmm. it's not enough to like shoot out everywhere. So Natasha says so they were either asl- maybe asleep or drugged first and then axed. Well, there's one of the main theory why why was Lizzie a main suspect is there's a few reasons like I you know. Fortunately for her, she didn't have any, there was like no blood on her. Her hair was perfectly in place. Like, how could she have done this? She just walked in and saw her father was bludgeoned to death. However, she was seen the day before at the pharmacy asking for prussic acid, which is an extremely lethal drug. Um, she said it was to put an edge on a seal coat, uh, seal cape, seal coat cape. She did own, but like you huh. have to have a doctor's prescription to get that kind of drug. The pharmacist did not sell it to her, but she was asking about it. So you think about that. You think about her saying, I think something bad's going to happen to father. You know, she's and, trying to plant some seeds. Right. She was around. But like, did she act alone? So uh, I say Lizzie Borden took an axe or did she? Um, she was out in the barn. Like I said, she was looking for lead to make the fishing weights. She but one of the things in her stories was she went upstairs in the barn to look, even though there was a pail of lead right by the front door. She didn't look at that. She said she went upstairs in the barn. When those bodies were on the table being autopsied, she's been reported to remain calm um, and not be moved by any of what's going on. Mm -hmm. When the police did finally get there, they ransacked the house. They did find a a dress. It was a teeny tiny iota of blood. It was one sixteenth of an inch of blood. They found that. And then in the basement, they found a hatchet that had with the handle broken off that was in a fireplace in the basement. And they also found a rag of uh, bloody bloodied rags. Um, so the hatchet that, w- that didn't have a handle, it had hair and blood on it. And when they were talking to Lizzie, they were like, who could have done this to your mother? And her response was, she's not my mother. She's my stepmother. Oh, <laughs> burn. So, um, the mayor actually came to talk to her and she, uh, he was, she was like, am I a suspect? Like if I'm a suspect, take me away is what she said to him. So that's I, kind of, maybe she felt like she was untouchable because she was a woman at the time. Probably. And she was from a prominent family. Another interesting point is that Abby was murdered first. So what does that mean for Lizzie? It means that she would have a larger inheritance because if she mar- if she murdered Andrew first, legally, the family of Abby would get some of his inheritance money. But she killed Abby first, so she and her sister would be entitled to any inheritance money from killing the father. The she, And when she said she was up in the barn, the reporters came and they, when the police got there, they said that the dust was unmoved. Ah. Contrary to that, though, when there was a reporter that went up to the barn and walked around and then the police went in up after the reporter and there they said that that was unmoved too so that may or may not be relevant another thing that points to lizzie is that there she said that that miss mrs borden was summoned by a friend who was ill so she was out of the house that day but no one ever found the note in the house there was no note and no friend ever came forward to to say hey yeah i i called mrs borden she was supposed to be coming to me Hmm. another interesting thing is the so the the Bordens, they were interred on August 6th of 1892, two days after the murder. On August 7th, Alice Russell, the friend who Lizzie confided in, said came forward and said that she saw Lizzie burning a dress in the fireplace. Because there was blood? Well, Lizzie said there was paint on it. but <laughs> Was it red paint? <laughs> <laughs> oh, this is just... This is just a Bloody Mary, actually. Yeah. <laughs> Made with human Sorry. blood. Sorry. <laughs> um, so... 
so she said she was seen burning a dress. Um, and then during the her inquest, there were definitely some inconsistencies. We're going to read a little bit from the inquest. We don't have to read the whole thing. The whole thing literally takes up a section in this source book. I think it's literally like 40 pages long. It's the whole entire inquest testimony from Lizzie with uh, Hosea Knowlton, who is the man who interviewed her. So, Ooh. yeah, so that's really cool about this book. And we have some of it here on one of the slides. You know, there were a few movies made about this this case. I did watch the one that came out a couple years With ago. With Chloe Sevigny? Yeah, it was like uh, modern music yeah. to the mm-hmm. thing. I thought that was really fun. It was a good oh, movie. Sound, yeah, The Sound of Music. The, uh, the soundtrack was like modern music. The Sound of Music is about this. No. I've never seen that, but that's not... A- it is definitely not about this. It's about the Von Trapp family. <laughs> Nice try, though. We're proud of you. That's cool. Good, good try. I that's love the, the sound of music. The yeah. nanny that flies on that umbrella. That's the fl- that's Mary Poppins. Mary Poppins. Oh Jesus Christ! But is it, it is played <laughs> by the same actress. Good try. Um, but uh, one of the one of the interesting theories that came from the 1975 movie um, with Elizabeth Montgomery, which actually in the Lizzie Borden house they have her dress from the film. Ooh. It's really cool. So Elizabeth Montgomery, she played the witch and Bewitched. If you didn't know that, but she actually played Lizzie Borden in the Made for TV movie. Oh. But, the, but I will never forget this. We in sixth grade. So this is why I messed up. Like this was part of our like history lesson in sixth grade. So we had to read like a comic book about it, and we watched the Lizzie Borden movie with elizabeth montgomery and in that movie it shows her like one of the theories is that she stripped down before committing these murders and that's why there's no blood on the dress or on her face or skin or anything because she went down and and cleaned up and there wouldn't be any blood on a dress if she's naked and killing these people yeah interesting yeah yeah interesting so so those are some of the things like that would compel you to think that lizzie committed the murders uh the things that she had going for her she had no, like I said, no blood in her hair. It, she wasn't all messed up. She looked presentable. Bridget said she didn't hear anything. Bridget was also asleep when Andrew was killed. But if she was home, you know, when when this was going on. Could um, she have been drugged to be like to sleep through it? I don't know. Uh, she was outside talking to another one of the housekeepers next door, apparently at the time when Abby was killed. Uh, so she was not inside. They say, what's the motive of killing her, of killing her, her parents, you know, other than inheritance money, but she already got everything that she wanted. Her, her father was frugal, but he did give her an allowance to spend. Um, like why and she was, she was uh, a figure in the town, very philanthropic involved with their church. One of the things that I saw though, uh, about that on online, um, from Dr. Todd Grandy, he talked about her potential of being a psychopath and they did a test. Um, it, there was a, a, a <laughs> like the same test that we all took. No, 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 no. <laughs> it talks about the five, the five, fa- <laughs> five factor theories, which is openness, um, openness conscientiousness empathy an a word and then neuro neuro um neuroticism so on that they did post like this is like this crime happened 60 years before the dsm ever came out right okay so um so they're talking about this post you know post the crime but they're looking at all of the five factor traits um there was an article that came out that actually uh had a the the pclr test that they they which is another type of psychological profiling type yeah um that looks at psychopathy or psychopathy however you want to say it um and lizzie scored low on neuroticism which is not common consistent with uh, or she scored low on neuroticism which has to do with the psych- psychopathy sorry guys i'm blanking on that but anyway they, yeah. they, they did they did this profile on her and the scores were not consistent with her being 
a psychopath. Interesting. It was. It just wasn't. She didn't score high enough on it. So I did pretty good on that test. I know you got an A plus. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. That's where high score is not a good thing. <laughs> so so but, and also did I? Can't I am not a true. I am not a complete psychopath. No, I only scored thirty five out of forty five or whatever or thirty eight. <laughs> but here is the thing. So when we first took this test, we each took it. Jen obviously had the lowest score. <laughs> obviously <laughs> lowest psychopath in the room. I had a little bit higher. John then, was John was a little bit higher, but we find out a year later he lied about his score <laughs> because true. he thought it was too high. Now that's the sign of a fucking. It was now. fucking high, but y'all y'all didn't take it right. Psychopaths, I don't know. I mean, it's the way to live. <laughs> I mean, dudes, this is survival, man. You know what I'm saying? You got uh, it's a dog eat dog world. Yeah. You know? Okay. You know when I was younger, I thought it was that I didn't realize it was a dog eat dog world. I thought it was doggy dog world, like doggy dog. Doggy dog. <laughs> <laughs> that was like what was that word that you were? Um, <laughs> cyborg. Cy- cyborg. 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 <laughs> sideboard. Side- cyborg. Yes. All right, so I want to take a second to talk about her inquest interview really quick. She was interviewed by Hosea Knowlton. Um, she did give a lot of inconsistent answers during this. And honestly, when I was reading the, the testimony, um, she was a salty bitch. Like, she <laughs> was so sarcastic during this interview. And like, I, I really? was like, man, you are not doing yourself any favors. So if you go to the slides, John, I have some of the um, testimony in there. If we can read some of it. How long was your father gone? I don't know that. Where were you when he returned? I was down in the kitchen. What doing? Reading an old magazine that had been left in the cupboard, an old Harper's magazine. Had you gone through ironing? No, sir. Had you stopped ironing? Stopped for the flats. Were you waiting for them to be hot? Yes, sir. Was there a fire in the stove? Yes, sir. When your father went away, were you ironing then? I had not commenced, but I was getting the little ironing board on the flannel. Are you sure you were in the kitchen when your father returned? I'm not sure whether I was there or in the dining room. Did you go back to your room before your father returned? I think I did carry up some clean clothes. Did you stay there? No, sir. Did you spend any time up at the front stairs before your father returned? No, sir. Or after he returned? No, sir. I did stay in my room long enough when I was up to sew a little piece of uh, tape on a garment. What was that the time when your father came home? He came home after I came downstairs. You were not upstairs when he came home? I was not upstairs when he came home. No, sir. Yeah, this is salty. Yeah, man. What was Maggie doing when your father came home? I don't know whether she was there or whether she had gone upstairs. I, I can't remember. Who let your father in? I think he came to the front door and rang the bell. And I think Maggie let him in and, and said that he had forgotten his key. So I think she must have been downstairs. His key would have done him no good if the locks were left as you left them but they were always unbolted in the morning who unbolted them that morning i don't think they'd been unbolted maggie can tell you if he had not forgotten his key it would have been no good no it had he he had his key and couldn't not get in i understood maggie to say he said he had forgotten his key you did not hear him say anything about it i heard his voice i don't know what he said i understood you to say he had forgotten his key no it was maggie said he had forgotten his key where was maggie when the bell rang i don't know sir where were you when the bell rang i think in my room upstairs then you were upstairs when your father came home Home. I don't know, sure, but I think so. What were you doing? I'll, as, as I say, I took up these clean clothes and stopped and basted a little piece of tape on a garment. Then you were upstairs when your father came to the house upon his return. No, you missed uh, that. Did you come down before your father was let in? I was on the stairs coming down when she let him in. Then you were upstairs when your father came to the house on his return. I think I was. How long had you been there? I had only been upstairs long enough to take the clothes and baste the little loop on the sleeve. I don't think I had been up there for over five minutes. Was Maggie still engaged in washing? windows when your father got that i don't know 
you remember, Miss Borden, I will call to your attention to it so as to see if I had any misunderstanding, not for the purpose of confusing you. You remember that you told me several times that you were downstairs and not upstairs when your father came home. You have forgotten, perhaps? I don't know what I have said. I answered so many questions. I'm so confused. I don't know one thing from another. I'm telling you just as nearly as I know how. Calling your attention to what you said that few minutes ago and now again to the circumstances, you have said you were upstairs when the bell rang and were on the stairs when Maggie let your father in, which is now your recollection of the true statement of the matter, that you were downstairs when the bell rang and your father came? I think I was downstairs in the kitchen. And then you were not upstairs? I think I was not because I went almost, I went up almost immediately as soon as I went down and then came down again and stayed down. What had you in your mind when you said you were on the stairs as Maggie let your father in? The other day, somebody came there and she let him in and I was on the stairs. I don't know whether the morning or before or when it was. You understood. I was asking you exactly and explicitly about this fatal day. Yes, sir. I now call your attention to the fact that you had specifically told me you had gone upstairs and had been there for about five minutes when the bell rang and you were on your way down and were on the stairs when Maggie let your father in that day. Yes, I said that. And then I said, I did not know whether I was on the stairs or in the kitchen. Now, how will you have it? I think as nearly as I know, I think I was in the kitchen. How long was your father gone? I don't know, sir. Not very long. An hour? I should not think so. Will you give me the best story you can so far as your recollection serves you of your time while he was gone? I sprinkled my handkerchiefs and got my ironing board and took them into the dining room. I took the ironing board into the dining room and left the handkerchiefs in the kitchen and on the table. When I wait, whether I ate any cookies or not, I don't remember. Then I sat down looking at the magazine waiting for flats to heat then i went into the sitting room and got the providence journal and took that into the kitchen i don't recollect of doing anything else which did you read first the journal or the magazine the magazine you told me you were reading the magazine when your father came back i said in the kitchen yes was that so yes i took the journal out to read on, on, and had not read it it had i had it near me you said a minute or two ago you read the magazine a while and then went and got the journal and took it out to read. I did, but I did not read it. I tried my flats then. And then went back to reading the magazine? I took the magazine up again, yes. When did you last see your mother? I did not see her after when I went down in the morning and she was dusting the dining room. Where did she... Where did you or she go then? I don't know where she went. I know where I was. Did you leave? Did you or she leave the dining room first? I think I did. I left her in the dining room. You never saw her or heard her afterwards? No, sir. So that's one part of it. This is like pages down. So... Um, one of the funny, one of the fun facts about this in, in inquest is that Lizzie was actually on morphine. They say when she went through this. I know, I when know. She went on the when she when was, she was in the when she was interviewed. Now that's a common drug back then. But hmm. anyway, all right. Um, next part is a few. I I just highlighted a few of the inconsistencies on here. It's long. It, the whole thing is much longer than this. So I do appreciate you guys being with yeah. me. But this is kind of important. It's interesting. Yeah. Assuming that she did not go into her own room, I understand you to say that she could not have gone to her own room without you seeing her. She could while I was down the cellar. You went down immediately. You came down within a few minutes and you did not see her when you came back. No, sir. After the time she must have remained in the guest chamber? I don't know. So far as you can judge? So far as I can judge, she might have been out of the house or in the house. Had you any knowledge of her going out of the house? She told me she had a note. Somebody was sick and I said, I'm going and said, I'm going to get the dinner on the way and asked me what I want for dinner. Did you tell her? Yes, I told her I did not want anything. Then why did you suppose she had gone? 
gone. I suppose she had gone. Did you hear her come back? I did not hear her go or come back, but I suppose she went. When you found your father dead, you supposed your mother had gone. I did not know. I said to the people who came in, I don't know where Mrs. Borden is or I don't know if Mrs. Borden is out or in. I wish you would see if she's in our room. You supposed that she was out at the time. Yes, suppose she was... Uh, I understood so. I did not suppose anything about it. Did she tell you where she was going? No, sir. Did she tell you who the note was from? No, sir. Did you ever see the note? No, sir. Did you know where it is now? No, sir. She said she was going out that morning? Yes, sir. I shall have to ask you once more about that morning. Do you know what the family ate for breakfast? No, sir. Had the breakfast been cleared away when you got down? Yes, sir. I want you to tell me just where you found the people when you got down that you did find there. I found Mrs. Borden in the dining room. I found my father in the sitting room. And Maggie? Maggie was coming in the back door with her pail and brush. Tell me what to t- what talk you had with your mother at that time. She asked me how I felt. I said I felt better than I did Tuesday, but I did not want any breakfast. She asked me what I wanted for dinner. I told her nothing. She said she was going out and would get the dinner. That's the last I saw her. Where did you go then? Into the kitchen. Where then? Down cellar. Perhaps five minutes? Perhaps not more than that. Possibly a little more. When you came back, did you see your mother? I did not. I suppose she had gone out. She did not tell you where she was going? No, sir. When you came back, where, was your father there? Yes, sir. What was he doing? Reading the paper. Did you eat any breakfast? No, sir. I don't remember whether I ate a molasses cookie or not. I did not eat any regularly prepared breakfast. Was it usual for your mother to go out? Yes, sir. She went out every morning nearly and did the marketing. Was it usual for her to go away from the dinner? Yes, sir. Sometimes. Not very often. How often, say? Oh, I should not think more than, well, I don't know, more than once in three months, perhaps. Now, I call your attention to the fact that twice yesterday you told me with some explicitness that when your father came in, you were just coming. Coming downstairs. No, I did not. I beg your pardon. That you were on the stairs at the same time you let your father in. You, your father was let in, you said with explicitness. Do you now say that you did not say so? I said I thought first I was on the stairs. Then I remembered I was in the kitchen when he came in. First you thought you were in the kitchen. Afterwards, you remembered you were on the stairs. As I said, I thought I was on the stairs. Then I remembered I was in the kitchen when he came in. Did you go into the front part of the house after your father came in? And I missed that line. But next part. Um, so... This inquest lasted for a couple of days. This is a, over a period of a couple of days. Uh-huh. That's just I'd throw that out there. Next one is a cue. Talking, taking oh. all that. Is that where, nope. where we left? Oh, the one, one about that. that. When you went out to the barn, where did you leave your father? He had laid down on the living room lounge, taking off his shoes and put on his slippers and taking off his coat and put on the reefer. I asked him if he wanted the window left that way. Where did you leave him? On the sofa. Was he asleep? No, sir. Was he reading? No, sir. What was the last thing you said to him? I asked him if he wanted the window left that way. Then I went into the kitchen and from there to the barn. Whereabouts in the barn did you go? Upstairs. To the second story of the barn? Yes, sir. How long did you remain there? I don't know, 15 or 20 minutes. What doing? Trying to find lead for a sinker. What made you think there would be lead for a sinker up there? Because there was some there. Taking all that, what was the amount of time you think you occupied in looking for that piece of lead which you did not find? Well, I should think perhaps that was 10 minutes. Looking over those old things? Yes, sir. On the bench. Now, can you explain why you were 10 minutes doing it? No, only that I can't do anything in a minute. When you came down from the barn, what did you do then? Came into the kitchen. What did you do then? I went into the dining room and laid down my hat. What did you do then? Opened the sitting door, sitting room door and went into the sitting room or pushed it open. It was not latched. What did you do then? I found my father and rushed to the foot of the 
the stairs. What were you going to do in the sitting room for? To go upstairs. What for? To sit down. What had become of the ironing? The fire had gone out. I thought she went out because the fire was not hot enough to heat the flats. I thought it would burn, but the fire had not caught from the few sparks. So you gave up the ironing and was going upstairs? Yes, sir. I thought that I would wait till Maggie got dinner and heat the flats again. Was there any effort made by the witness to notify Mrs. Borden of the fact that Mr. Borden was found? That was the judge. Yep. And then the attorney is saying, did you make any effort to notify Mrs. Borden of your father being killed? No, sir. When I found him, I rushed right to the foot of the stairs for Maggie. I suppose Mrs. Borden was out. I did not think anything about her at the time. I was so... At the time, did you say anything about her to anybody? No, sir. To the effect that she was out? I told father when he came in. After your father was killed? No, sir. Did you say that you thought she was upstairs? No, sir. Did you ask them to look upstairs? No, sir. Did you suggest to anybody to search upstairs? I said, I don't know where Mrs. Borden is. That's all I said. You did not suggest that any search be made of her? No, sir. Did you not make any yourself? No, sir. I want you to give me all that you did by way of word or deed to see whether your mother was dead or not when you found your father was dead. I did not do anything except what I said to Mrs. Churchill. I said to her, I don't know where Mrs. Borden is. I think she's out, but I wish you would look. Did you ask her to look? I said that to Mrs. Churchill. Where did you intend for her to look? In Mrs. Borden's room. Hot diggity dog. That is quite the back and forth. Yeah. And and she's snarky, right? Like, I didn't read that. Like, I didn't read into that one way or not. Like, she was annoyed that she was there. Oh, yeah. She's like, why are you wasting my time with this right. asshole? But at the same time, you literally, this isn't like you interviewed and then three weeks ago you came back. It's over like a period of consecutive days and you're giving like misinformation, right? So, uh, yeah, so she was found by Knowlton to be probably guilty. Um, and she was that, that, that result was sent to a grand jury. Okay. Okay. So the grand jury indicted her, um, on three counts of first degree murder. Sorry, Luna just peed because he was trying to put, hold her and pick her up. (laughs) She peed on me a little bit. She just, she just sprinkled a little bit. It's dripping down my leg. (laughs) But keep going. (laughs) (laughs) Shit. It's nice. It is warm, but it is getting a little <laughs> cool. <laughs> That's the Fall River Courthouse where the grand jury trial was held. Um, and like I said, she was she was arrested on August 11th, 1892. So 130 years ago, plus two days, she was arrested. Indicted on three counts of first degree murder. That's the murder of Andrew, the murder of Abby, and both of them combined was the third count. She's innocent. Damn. She was held at the, uh, she was held in Taunton, uh, in the correctional facility and while she was in prison it was the matron had overheard her say that oh you're not going to give me up are you emma oh right uh, so that was her now damn what did you guys think of that inquest that's pretty damning right it was pretty i mean the fact that she may have been on drugs though is interesting mm-hmm. i mean but that was a pretty hot inquiry and her response was like very blase like like why why are you asking me these questions right like i mean we just saw a little piece of it but you know as 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 much of a hammer that would have been in the nail of her coffin that inquest was found to be inadmissible really yes because she did not have a lawyer present damn yep so the trial began on June 6th of 1893. Um, it was out, held at the new Bedford Supreme Court, um, which is our hometown. And the building is still there. It's a one room courtroom. 
Uh, She actually had a tribunal of judges. It was Judge Mason, Blodgett, and Dewey that sat on that case. Dewey, Dewey, and Louie. Was he the Dewey Decimal guy? Yeah. Mm -hmm. The prosecution consisted of um, Hosea Knowlton, who was the, the guy that did the inquest interview, and William Moody. Um, Lizzie Borden, though, she had a pretty powerful defense team. She actually had former governor of Massachusetts, George Robinson, and Andrew Jennings, who was the Borden family attorney. Um, Testimonies that were given were from Bridget Sullivan, Alice Russell, the friend, John Morse, Emma, and some of the neighbors. Emma, she actually was probably the saving grace for Lizzie uh, during that trial because she actually testified and said that burning the dress was her idea. Um, and it was to, this explained that it was just a regular dress with paint on it is how she um, how she explained it. I'm not going to go through the entire trial. I know I've gone on for a long time with this case, so I'm just going to give you some of the highlights from it. Like I said, the information from the inquest was made inadmissible because she didn't have a lawyer. And actually, the skulls of Andrew and Abby, the actual skulls, were brought into the courtroom by the prosecution uh, on the first day of the trial. Uh, the, the, or in the opening statement, Moody uh, alluded to the fact that he did have the actual tri- uh, actual skulls of Andrew and Abby. They were actually uh, interred without their heads. <laughs> There's they're just shoulders and below uh, in the grave. And he had he said said that they that he had the skulls. He brought them in, and Lizzie fainted when that when the, when she saw those skulls. Was it? <laughs> yeah, pretty no. much. They, uh, they used to have fainting chairs, fainting sofas. That's right. what they call them. Yeah. So women could do that. Uh, and yeah. their hysteria. <laughs> hysteria. <laughs> Uh, oh man so yes they did um they did bring in the skulls now blood splatter evidence led experts to believe that the killer was right-handed because of the way that the angles of the yeah of this of the bludgeoning of the wounds were they also said that the hatchet that was found that was believed to be the murder weapon was not the murder weapon had no blood on it uh well the blood that was on it was cow blood um and it was uh cow hair that was on it you know because when you have a farm like andrew did he owned several properties um you know you do take care of the cows for better or for worse wording (laughs) yeah um so that was actually determined not to be the murder weapon like i said Emma went to bat for Lizzie saying that, you know, she told her to burn the dress. Um, and, you know, the the trial lasted uh, two weeks and the jury deliberation took less than two hours. Whoa, that is fast. And Lizzie Borden was acquitted on all counts. Hell yeah. John does have a softie for the lady killers. Yes. So um, Lizzie didn't testify in the case. The only thing she did say is, I am innocent. I leave it to my counsel to speak for me. Damn, wow. like, a, like a boss. Mic drop, motherfucker. <laughs> I'm out, dog. So, um, <laughs> and I mean, so when they announced the courtroom, when they announced the verdict in the courtroom, the, the whole courtroom was cheering. I don't think the people huh. actually wanted Lizzie Borden to be found guilty. She was a prominent member of society when they're like this is a bad look for us yeah and you know she actually she didn't faint when she heard the verdict but she did kind of collapse in like you know in In relief yeah thing um i think there's a picture of that if you show it john that is lizzie in the courtroom and emma freaking out Mm -hmm. next and that's a picture of lizzie when 
when the um, oh, she like slumps over the railing. Yeah, she slumped <laughs> over the railing. What if you were in court and so once they say you're acquitted, could you be like, I just got away with murder. I <laughs> did it. I did it, motherfucker. Because I, they can't try you again as double jeopardy, even if you're in the courtroom. Right. That's crazy. I, I would do that think, shit. I I'd be like, would. man, y'all suck. I did it. And I'll do it again. So, well, <laughs> well they're going to make sure the second time. I mean, you could get uh, convicted of something else maybe that they didn't try you for. True. Such as potentially perjury. Yeah. If you were. Uh, if you testified. If you testified. But she didn't testify. She was acquitted on all counts. She actually was. She became a recluse. She bought a house up on top of the hill. She named the estate Maplecroft. She lived there with Emma and uh, for a few years. And then Emma actually moved out because Lizzie was a partier. She was involved with like the theater, the um, like Broadway and music. Like they, she was not like, but you know, actors, she was very involved with them. She had a lot of glamorous parties, um, but she kind of stayed to herself. She never talked publicly again about the case. She was wow. very invested in the well-being of animals. She had some dogs. She was, again, philanthropic. Yeah, Emma moved out and she cut ties with her. Um, something something happened where, you know, she, that caused her to cut ties. Some say that Lizzie actually had a relationship with one of the um, actresses and the actress had moved in. So maybe that's what led Emma to move out. Um, but huh. Lizzie, she changed her name to Lizbeth. She never went by Lizzie again and kind of was withdrawn from society. Um, and she died in 1927 of pneumonia and she lived out the rest of her days in Maplecroft and, you know, they still, Durfee High School is one of the high schools in Fall River, um, Abby Durfee, but you know, because of Abby with that, she, the Durfees were a, a, another prominent family, but the Durfees, they're called the Hilltoppers. The Dursleys. Yeah. So not the Dursleys from Harry Potter, <laughs> but good for you for knowing that, yeah. John. But yeah, that's my Lizzie Borden story. <laughs> so yeah i mean she you know I, I personally i think that she did it i don't think that there really was another way for anyone else to had, have done it Agree. um i think that bridget was involved and bridget was seen in the morning talking to another neighbor but like when you think about it at the timing of the murders they figured out that abby had been killed an hour before andrew so Andrew left at 9.30. He got home. He was only gone for like an hour. He was. He got back at yeah. 10.45. So when Abby went upstairs to take care of that bed, someone had to go up there and kill her right away when you think about the timing. So yep. uh, I don't think that anyone else could have done it. So I, I, I'm sorry, Lizzie Borden. I don't see how you couldn't have done it. Prove, you know, don't come try to prove me wrong. I think that she... she don't hurt me. <laughs> <laughs> I think she teamed up with Bridget. That's my theory yeah. um, because Bridget said she didn't hear anything. And I don't know yeah. how even if you're outside in the barn you would hear if someone was being brutally bludgeoned like yeah. i'm sorry like the walls are thin the bar is not that far away from the household there it's not like you have the insulation that you have nowadays i just i just don't i just don't see how she couldn't have done it yeah you gotta so, have agree you gotta have soundproofing so i can show you guys how to make soundproofing right that's right if you want to murder someone I mean, effectively you, in the same house yeah but i mean there's there's Dabbit. better ways what happened to bridget after tara asked um that's a good question i didn't i didn't see that i think she just went on to work with like, she moved out yeah, yeah she moved out all right guys well thank you so much i hope that i met your expectations exceeded you did amazing <laughs> Jen. Um, but yeah, that's the Lizzie Borden story. So thanks for tuning in. Um, even if we all didn't comment, if you're out there, thank you for the support. Um, and yeah. And you can say it. You can say it, Jen. <laughs> oh, 
This is Jen. I'm here with John, Nicole, and Juliet. And good night, you lovely, lovely people. <laughs>